Hi, welcome to season two, episode one of Social Anxiety Life, the podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Simon. And on our podcast, we discuss all things social anxiety, drawing on our personal experiences and using that to help others. So in this first episode of season two, we're going to explore a topic that came in from one of our listeners, and that's the topic of whether social anxiety changes with age. And we'd like to give credit to a listener who wishes to remain anonymous, who lives in an undisclosed zone <laughs> six location. Oh, very mysterious. <laughs> well, I think this, this particular person likes the air of mystique oh, fair about them. And I that. really applaud that. So social anxiety and age, I think needs to start with quite a pertinent contribution, which we had via Instagram from, from Donnie. And he said that it depends on the person. And I think that's a really good place to start because people who experience social anxiety will experience it in, in possibly different ways or it will manifest itself differently. They'll have had different experiences from uh, younger to older so it's very dependent upon the individual I think even with us I think it's going to va it varies doesn't it yeah absolutely and I think the contributions we've got for this episode sort of reflect that we've had some that talk very positively about changes as they've got older and some not so positive so thinking about social anxiety and age I would like to start by reflecting personally on my experiences. And I would say, even sort of thinking five years ago, I wouldn't even use those words. No. So I have social anxiety. I wouldn't have said that at all. But now we use it very commonly and quite interchangeably when we're talking about things. And I find now that I talk about it quite openly with other people. Yeah. And I don't know then if, as I've got older, I can now see it more clearly. Mm -hmm. I can see it that within myself, that explains something. Yeah. So maybe it's about your understanding of your own social anxiety. Because I'm not sure when I was younger that I ever thought I had social anxiety. I would always identify as just being shy or just being very quiet I don't think I ever thought of it as social anxiety that's definitely something that I've identified as I've got older I definitely think that the language that's used and we've touched on this in quite a few episodes whether it's shy quiet reserved introverted autistic mm -hmm. nonverbal, yeah. all of those words could be used when actually you have social anxiety and I think as you get older and I think what our contributions show that people I think do feel more empowered to say it yes yeah I think kicking off with one of our contributions from Instagram Shanette says to us that 
you know, she's gets she's gotten older and she thinks that you care less about what people think because you've got less time. So, you know, when you're adulting, as it were, and you've got your job, you're doing your other stuff, you don't you should take the attitude that you shouldn't care what other people think, particularly in those social situations. I think that's quite a bold statement. Yeah, I guess it's that idea that as you get older and grow into an adult, you have more things to think about, more responsibilities, and maybe you have less time to worry about those kinds of things. I'm inclined with that comment to agree with it to a certain extent, because I think as I've got into my 40s, I would say that I worry less about what people think, but it still doesn't disguise the fact that social situations that I'm in, mm. I still experience social anxiety, sometimes to quite a high um, high extent. You know, thinking about work, for example, I've, I've said before on the podcast that I'm a visiting teacher. I go to lots of different schools. Yeah. Teaching the children, there's no issue there. The other adults, to an extent, there's a, there's a bit, of, there's some social anxiety there because you're in a social situation, but because it's teaching and, and I know what I'm talking about, yeah, it's less hard for me to have social interactions with people that I work with. But I will say that I do find myself being more aware of how tired I get. Mm hmm through social interactions yeah i think it's very much being able to recognize more how you feel and it's that balance between what you're doing for yourself as opposed to what's the sort of societal norms or what's expected of you yeah yeah and i i, I can relate to a certain degree to that uh, contribution about caring less what people think because I think in certain situations I have got better at not caring so much but as you quite rightly said it doesn't necessarily make the social anxiety go away just because you care a little bit less what people think I think those those worries and the overthinking still very much happens that, that ties in really nicely to another contribution we've had from Michael and he talks about the core issue, which is, which is the social anxiety, that stays the same. And I, I resonate a lot with that, that it stays the same whatever age that you are. And you develop your own coping mechanisms. And I'm sure that we may have coping mechanisms that are similar or they may be different. Yeah. And The crux of it comes down to, I think that social anxiety is a neurodivergent trait. Mm -hmm. I know we said it links to autism, I know it links to um, introversion, but it's when you're in those social events, you're nodding along, you're trying to maintain eye contact and whatever, that's what the typical, the neurotypical view is, that you should look at people, you should do this, you should... Yeah. do these things whilst you're in the social situation when actually 
you know, I, I feel a bit more confident now not to do those things because it makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, eye contact with some people, it, it's painful. Yeah. Not physically yeah. painful, but it's hard because you're looking at a person and it's almost, you know, it's that judgment, it's that overthinking kicks in um, really, really deeply. And, you know, you can, it's all very well. You can come up with your strategies to make yourself appear more confident, mm. but it's fake. Yeah. <clears throat> so why be fake? Yeah. No, I completely agree. It's, it, as you said, it's that thing of those feelings are still there and they might be buried a little bit further down because you've developed certain strategies that help you to cope. And I, I really resonated with that because as I've got older, and I've started to understand my social anxiety more and talk more openly about it. I do think I've developed some strategies and some things that helps me now that I didn't have years ago, but I still get those worries. I still have the overthinking. I still have the feeling of panic before social events. That's never gone away, but I suppose my ways of dealing of it with it have improved. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense mm. for me. It's the same. I think I've developed strategies to cope. So I know like, you know, go, even like going to the supermarket, I get anxiety in the supermarket if someone comes and talks to me. Mm. I don't have anxiety about going to the supermarket because I know what I want and I know I need stuff from there. I just don't particularly want people coming up to me and yeah. <laughs> talking to me. Even like, you know, you get to the till. Mm. Some cashiers, you know, are very chatty. You put your stuff through the till. And they're like, how's your day? And, Sometimes I'm just saying, oh, please don't ask me how my day is. I'm absolutely, mm. I feel like I'm quite content paying for my shopping and getting out of here. Yeah. So my way through that is I respond, but not a lot. I don't say a lot. And my coping strategy is I'm packing my bag. Yeah. I pack my bag because mm -hmm. I need to look where everything's going. I can't distract myself from doing that. Yeah. So I just get on with it. Um, but even like, you know, like I, I went for, I went out for lunch today as well mm. and you know i quite happily sat away in the corner yeah and you know the necessary social interaction was i had to ask for what i wanted yeah and that was fine i had to ask for the bill that's all fine but apart from that there was no social interaction yeah whatsoever i just got left to get on with it yeah. on, on, on my own and i've always done that though i've always gone out on my own and done things for myself and that makes me feel quite happy yeah but on the same same sort of token, as it were, I've talked before about, you know, going to bars and clubs and whatever on my own. Yeah. And But it's on my terms. So I go on my own. Mm -hmm. I don't have to talk to people in those yeah. situations. I can just quietly sit on my own. Yeah, it's in your control, I suppose. Mm. And I think I used to feel quite anxious in a different way. Mm because of that, in that some people would think, why are they there on their own? But now I'd say now I don't care because I do yeah. sit there and I do, you know, if I fancy like going to, for a little drink or I want to go to a club night, mm -hmm. um, at least with a club night, the, the because the music's so loud, it's a sensory hit from the yeah. music. And that's really primarily why I'm going there. I'm not going there to be with to talk to other people again there for the music if there's a lot that it doesn't bother me then there's lots of people yeah there and sometimes you know if you talk to people there it's usually about the music mm -hmm. or it's about where you are mm -hmm. and that's manageable 
Yeah, I think a strategy that I've definitely used a lot more in recent times and been more confident to use is that thing of just stepping away. So if I'm in a social situation and I'm with a lot of people, I will just leave the room or I'll just go outside Mm. for five minutes. And I think I used to feel very self-conscious about doing that because I think, oh, they're going to wonder why I've left. Does it look strange that I'm just leaving for five minutes and coming back? But actually, sometimes I just need that little bit of time, that little five minutes to just take a breath, just have a little bit of quiet and almost sort of regather myself Mm. to go back in. And that really helps me. But that's not something that I used to do it's something that I've kind of worked out myself is a strategy that helps me I don't know if you do the same yeah I agree with that I think I I do that a lot more now because you know if you get outside depending on where you are it's a bit you get a little hit of nature whether it's like the wind or the rain or sun or like if it's in a garden Mm -hmm. garden's my favorite one like if you can get into a garden for like five ten minutes that really solves yeah or goes a long way to solve the social anxiety for me yeah it just gives you that that little bit of time to just take a breath relax because I think it is that feeling isn't it a lot of Mm. the time with social anxiety not that you're putting on a performance but it, it is that feeling of I have to be my best self and so much overthinking and trying to be really smiley and trying to like come across as friendly And so sometimes taking that little bit of time away from the social situation for me just helps me to kind of take a breath, regroup and then go back in. And I think the key, as you said, it's it's doing doing all that without fear of judgment. Yeah, I think. Generally speaking, I do find that more people are okay with it. Yeah. Not that now I real I realise now I don't need them to be okay about it. I have to think about myself. Yeah. And this sort of links in a little bit more with one another contribution we've had from Samantha. She talks about that our perspective changes, mm. and she talks about having less time for meaningless stuff. Yes. So. Because you have a better awareness of yourself Hmm. and she says really succinctly that the being being able to tolerate the social expectations has less impact on you because you have awareness of yourself and what your needs are. And she says also about the value that she has in the connection of people that she's chosen to be with rather than hanging out with those that don't value her yeah that's a really powerful statement it is and and do you feel that that's something that comes with age that you care less maybe about people that aren't going to be a huge part of your life you sort of have that thought of right i'm going to this party might never see these people again so does it really matter what they think of me you know what with parties i'm still in two minds whether i'm going or not oh same um so but i will say you know i'd say 10 years ago i i knew more people than i do now Mm -hmm. but i would say i have a better smaller group of people Mm -hmm. i'd say five or six people that i have those deeper conversations with 
which I appreciate much more and it makes me feel happier. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I really agree with that point of valuing the choose, valuing the people that I choose to be with rather than hanging out with those that don't value me. And maybe also linked to that, Samantha talks about, you know, being older, sometimes being ignored or being perceived as old mm. and finding that very rude. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, if you take us as an example, mm -hmm. um, when I was born in the late seventies, <laughs> you yes. were born later, later than that. <laughs> um, but I would say, you know, people don't often say that I'm the age that I actually am. Yeah. And I, I'm hoping that's because of the way that I present myself. Yes. And yeah, Sam's Samantha's point is really good and that's really key. Yeah. No, I think she made a great point there about your tolerance as you get older and I guess what you place meaning on. But equally, it's not the case for everyone, is it? I think following on from that, Jason got in touch with us via instagram and he links in with samantha's point about you know as you get older it's having more to worry about mm -hmm. other things to worry about so having more responsibilities things that things that happen mm -hmm. depends on the sort of social circles that you're in and Sometimes you have to put a brave face and carry on with things which can contribute to oh, absolutely. to not just social anxiety, but generalised anxiety. Because there are things that we worry about all the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And with Jason's contribution, yeah, it's the impact of things that you're doing on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he makes the point that maybe it's not an age thing as such, but more just that as you get older, you experience more life, you get used to life, things progress in different ways, you're, you're on a journey. So it's not necessarily an age thing, it's about your experiences mm -hmm. and things that happen to you in your life. And if, you know, very traumatic things happen or you're going through hard times, that's going to affect your anxiety. You know, if you're having really positive times, that can positively affect your anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I suppose you could almost see it as anxiety. Maybe it doesn't just get better with age or get worse. Maybe it's something that fluctuates mm. throughout life. Yeah, to time with that and actually sort of turning things on its head a little mm -hmm. bit, because we've talked so far about social anxiety changing possibly for the better, certainly in our experiences, as, as we've got. Um, more experience. Uh, one contribution came in through Instagram, an anonymous contribution about they think their social anxiety has got worse as they've got older. Mm. And this is due to life events and how they're less tolerant or able to deal with things. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I can understand that mention of tolerance you know becoming less tolerant of things as you get older but we've also touched on that of 
you know, do you then just start saying no to things more? You know, if, you, if you're not tolerant, is it the way forward to say, no, I'm not going to go to that event and being confident in saying no, which isn't always an easy thing to do. Saying no, I mean, if you say no all the time, yeah, it increases the risk of being isolated. Absolutely. And that actually comes across in our final not sorry not our final contribution but another mm -hmm. contribution we've had through facebook from hannah and hannah made a point of saying how she loves listening to the podcast after years of feeling like she was the only one that felt like this which is a lovely oh, comment to hear but she talks very openly about you know having you know thinking about opportunities that she may have missed or been unhappy with decisions and things that caused her anxiety such as talking on the phone or somebody in the shop there's anxieties around going out conversation talking to groups interviews seem to have got worse and then her overthinking has become more prominent yeah and being aware that she's she may have engineered some kind of isolation which leads into the anxiety yeah well it's interesting there that she talks about those sort of anxieties she had as a child being things like talking to someone in a shop you know and it's she's not experiencing that so much now whereas her anxieties now are more around talking in groups and interviews but you know you were just talking about the anxiety when you're in a shop mm. so that just shows how much it can vary person to person I think the point about being isolated is to say you, you keep not going to social events, but then flipping that on a positive that you enjoy your own company. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes, you know, I have everything switched off and I quite, I quite sit here quite happily with a book. Yeah. Or I watch TV and that suits me just fine. There's no, there's not a problem with that. Yeah. So I don't think it's almost it's it's the point i think is it's putting your own your own needs first mm -hmm. and being comfortable with that and if anyone challenges that yeah i mean it's very easy for me to sit here and say if someone challenges it you should just ignore them and whatever but that's hard yeah oh it's very hard especially when it's people who are very ingrained in your life you know mm. if it's like a parent or a sibling or a partner or a best friend mm. you know you can't just you don't feel that you can say no all the time because you value that relationship or that friendship and you want to make the effort so it's a hard balance to mm. get I think I think back to when I was a child you know I think some of the things I did or I thought I had to do because that's what's expected of me. You know, at times I would say no, but because I didn't understand what it was that was yeah. stopping me from doing it, and because I didn't have the strategies in place to cope with it. Yeah. So you now, now at like social anxiety, you can see like a nice big box next to us mm. of these fidget tools. Yeah. And you know, that, those stuff help me enormously mm -hmm. in social situations that I have something to um, focus on. And I think, you know, I've had those like 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Yeah. 
things might have been different mm. and it wouldn't have had the impact into adulthood. Yeah. Yeah, just to, I guess, give a, a flip side for myself. On the one hand, you know, what you were saying earlier about enjoying your own company, I can very much identify with that. I like sometimes being on my own. Sometimes I enjoy not having to make conversation, not having to be around anyone really. But then on the flip side of that, in recent years, I've been, I suppose, exposed to a lot more social situations. Mm -hmm. And actually, I think it's benefited me because I I have found over the last few years that very slowly, (laughs) I am finding certain social situations a little bit easier than I used to because I've had to go out of my comfort zone and I've sort of pushed myself to to be in these social situations that I really didn't want to be in but I can actually see that it's benefited me so I suppose that's the flip side to it is you know not that I'm saying you should force yourself to do social things because that's not gonna be a good thing for everyone but I can see a benefit of kind of both sides of it you know the idea the ideal situation would be that we've said this before going to social event someone knowing about your anxiety yeah and asking you what what if you are coming yes what would you need to help you in those social situations oh absolutely or just being understanding if Mm. you say no it's going to be too much for me and i'm not going to come i always think it's amazing when a person recognizes and, and appreciates that yeah i think i think that's the goal the goal yeah. is is for that to happen that you go to social events if it's too much after 30 minutes mm-hmm. see you later yeah and and those people who gossip about it mm. i think that's lack of understanding because when you have it and it's amazing actually that the range of people who have it because I know as a result of this podcast, I mean, I know people in their 70s yeah. who say they had wow. social anxiety and they're at an age now where they don't care. Yeah. And they had it, it crippled them when they were younger mm-hmm. because it was fear of being judged yeah. and overthinking about how they're perceived. Yeah. How they're perceived. That ultimately what it comes down to is what other people think. Yeah. And maybe it's sort of time to think, well, everyone's got their own opinion anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, that would be the ultimate goal. I would love to get to a point where I just don't care and therefore my social anxiety is not an issue. Mm. Whether I'll ever get to that point, I don't know. But, you know, I'm very envious of the people who've got there. (laughs) I think that's a pertinent moment to end episode one of season two. And it's been a very deep and meaningful discussion. It has. I mean... I think it's been a great episode for a start of a season. It has, I think. (laughs) And bringing it all together now, the feedback that we receive from listeners means a lot to us. So if you have enjoyed our content, please follow us on Spotify or your chosen podcast platform to receive updates about future episodes. Also, please follow us in our Facebook groups, um, 
Social Anxiety Life podcast group. Yes. Um, it is visible on Facebook. So if you search for it, you'll find yes. you'll find it. <laughs> or email us at socialanxietylife2023 at gmail.com. Yes. And we can't finish without mentioning that we did hit a pretty big milestone this last few days, wasn't it? Uh, 2,000 listens for our podcast and the fact that we've been going for less than a year and we've hit 2,000, massive achievement, but that's obviously thanks to everyone who keeps uh, tuning in, listening and contributing. So thank you so much. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes. See you next week. Bye.